Forgiveness can be difficult, but it is possible. How do we find the strength that helps us truly forgive? In part three of our Freedom of Forgiveness series, we're going to talk about how God's Spirit can help us do what we can't do alone so that we can live out the freedom of forgiveness. Today on the Renewed You Podcast. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hello and welcome to session three of our Freedom of Forgiveness series. I'm so glad that you have made it this far with us. Today we are going to talk about how we actually do what sometimes seems impossible, and that's actually find the strength to actually forgive. And I'm glad to have my dad with me again for this one. How you doing, Pop? I'm doing great, son. All right, let's just dive into this. Uh, this episode, we're going to come at forgiveness from a Christian perspective. Um, I truly believe that the forgiven forgive. Those those that understand um, what they've been forgiven of um, seems to be those that are able to forgive. Talk about forgiveness for a little bit from a Christian perspective. Well, we have to start with the understanding that God is sovereign above all. He's our creator. He gives us everything that we need before we need it. Um, and therefore, um, he offers us forgiveness through Jesus Christ. He first loved us, the Bible says, so we can return love because he extends us love. And in Jesus Christ, he chooses to forgive us of all of our sins, even while we're still committing sins against him. And in doing so, uh, he's, he's released uh, to us the capacity to not only receive his grace of forgiveness, but within that spirit of life and of forgiveness that comes into us, we have now the capacity through his grace working within us to release forgiveness to others. So you, somewhere along the line, we have to bring God into the equation. It isn't just me who was offended by the offendee or me who trespassed against someone else into their life and harming them. God's in the equation too. Now, if we ignore God, uh, you're just in a tug of war, either within yourself, trying to find the capacity to release forgiveness for whatever was done to you or you seem to lack what you feel like you need to honestly right. talk to that person or confront that person and ask for the forgiveness that you perhaps have uh, trespassed into their life in some area so god is the uh, uh, the common denominator of it all and it's intended to be that way because he's uh, our creator he sustains everything he initiated everything sustains everything and uh, so when we bring him into the equation and we experience forgiveness first, as you said in your introduction, until we know forgiveness, it's, it's almost impossible to forgive somebody else. But because we've experienced forgiveness, we have the capacity now uh, to release that to other people. But we experience forgiveness because he chooses to forgive us and offers that to us. 
uh, when we accept it by just by faith and trust in, in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So to me, uh, it's it's uh, the God is the key factor in it all. Right. And so somewhere along the line, um, unless God's brought into the equation, it's like the the old Hatfields and McCoys. You know, you just at generation after generation, you keep fighting and shooting yeah. each other, right? Um, but somebody can break that cycle when they uh, acknowledge the grace of God, receives forgiveness from God, then starts releasing forgiveness to others. Uh, God gives us that capacity to do it. One of the things that I think some people struggle with is um, how how far does do I have to go in forgiveness? And that really is a, a concept. Again, we're going to come from a biblical standpoint. So um, there there was this transition when Jesus came to the earth. Uh, it seems to it seems to be that there was an understanding that there was a limit of forgiveness that that people were required to initiate or or uh, a level that 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 they didn't have to go beyond um and we we kind of get this because of a conversation that is recorded in the book of matthew between peter the apostle peter the disciple and jesus and it's found in matthew 18 it, it says peter came to christ and said lord how often should i forgive someone who sins against me seven times Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, however much you think, whatever your limit is, go way, way, way beyond it. Yeah, I remember years ago when I came across that passage, and one day I'm, I'm, some, I'm somewhat practical in my thinking, and of course I have a financial background, I work with numbers, so I just thought, well, 70 times seven, that's 490 times. You, if you figure that in the context of a day, right. how often should I forgive every day? And uh, you look at that in the context of 60 minutes in an hour. You're awake about 16 hours a day if we believe in an eight-hour night's rest right. anymore. Uh, you know, that's about, what, 960 hours divided by 490, about every two minutes. About every two minutes yeah. we are to be forgiving. Technically, what it said to me, just learn to live a forgiving lifestyle just learn to be ready to forgive whenever something pricks your heart and you're offended or you feel like you've offended someone else be quick to ask for forgiveness and be quick to release forgiveness so living in this state of perpetual forgiveness is great liberty and it it, it sort of protects us and uh, we're, we're, we're somewhat proactive in guarding ourselves against allowing what Paul calls a root of bitterness to get into mm -hmm. our heart right. against someone or even against ourselves because of what we've said or done. So, you know, that was very practical for me. And one of the prayers I pray every day is, Lord, I just, uh, I set myself to walk in forgiveness today, regardless of what is said or done against me. I, I declare forgiveness will rise up within my heart and flow out of my mouth because I want to live free so I can set other people free and I will not allow root or bitterness to get into me. So it's sort of like the uh, pre-programming of a computer. You can program a computer to do what you want it to do. So you can pre-program to a degree uh, a response that you're going to have uh, by predetermining if something happens, here's how I'm going to respond. And if you, if you do that consistently, it becomes a programming, so to speak, that you live by. And then when something does happen, you're, you're already conditioning yourself on how to respond. It's like 
athletes of muscle memory. I was, I was listening to one of the uh, gymnasts from OU yesterday, one of the young ladies giving a testimony, and how that um, she's number one. She's number one on the balance beam, which is the most difficult uh, apparatus to to master. She's number one in the United States. And they were asking, how do you do that? And she says, I, I've trained my body. When I'm there, I just relax. My body knows what to do by doing the exercises or whatever on the... So her muscle memory carries her through. Uh, and the same can be thought of sort of in a spiritual memory context when we program our heart and our mind as to how we're going to respond when we're offended or how we're going to respond if we offend someone. And we, we're quick to do it in the moment. The grace of God is there to help us. Most of our problem comes because we allow things to seethe, to deep root. Uh, we, 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 you know, by thinking about what has been done to us, it drives it deeper and deeper into us, and it becomes more. It's like we mentioned in one of the earlier programs: uh, a little anthill versus a mountain. You right. know, we can make a mountain out of something rather than dealing with it initially and immediately. So this is one of the things that God gives us by his grace, the capacity. If we choose to forgive, we can forgive because we have it within within his grace to do it. But there's a there's sort of a predetermination in our mind that that's how we're going to live. I'm going to live that way. I am not going to hold bitterness in my heart. Right. I want to be free so I can set other people free. For a species that wants to control everything and wants to be in control of our life, it's interesting that in a lot of the areas of our connection with God, he actually places it right within our sphere of influence, our responsibility. Hey, you control what happens. He set us free through salvation, really so that from this point forward, we determine um, what what we're going to do with what he's given us. And so I think the power of God is is very important i think it's also important that we understand that from a christian perspective forgiveness isn't a request it's actually a requirement it's an expectation yeah um that's right after that scripture in matthew 18 jesus tells this story the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and children and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit of time. Be patient with me. I will pay it. Said the same words that the, right. this guy had said to the king. <clears throat> but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his debt. 
That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Talking to that parable, because there is a lot there to think through. <laughs> there is a lot there. Uh, the, the, the apex of it, the primary point in my mind is uh, God demonstrates his forgiveness. And because this first gentleman received that abundant grace to forgive, God just expects him to be out and go freely you've received, freely give, right. release forgiveness. But when he chose not to, it really gets to the bed, bedrock issue in the way God created us. He vested authority in us. I literally run my life. Right. I can run it in cooperation with God, allowing him to overlay my life with his word, with his grace, with his strength, with his power, and draw upon that to live day by day. Or I can live without God, trying to be a God unto myself, so to speak, sustaining myself. But in that context, I'm absent and void of the grace and mercy and love that only God can give me. And so it's natural that out of our natural man, we're going to respond with this grievance, with this uh, retaliatory mind. Uh, I'm going to get back at this person because of what they've done to me, right? Uh, versus the fact of understanding that we've all sinned against God and he chose to come to us and offer us love in the midst of our anger against him. And in the context of that love, he gives us the grace again to release, be released from it. When we, we repent, the guy cried out to the master. That's a sign of repentance. Mm -hmm. Lord, forgive me. I've sinned against you. And then in that comes that grace that we can go and, and offer it to others. So somewhere along the line, we have to make a choice, particularly once we come to Christ and we, re, we, we acknowledge him as our Savior and we receive his grace. It's interesting. He said, I, I must go away and send the Holy Spirit to you, speaking of his followers, and the very spirit that's in me, I'm going to put in you. Right. So it's not a different Holy Spirit. It's the very spirit that Jesus functioned in. Now, what did he do? Well, first of all, in the beginning, he spoke everything into creation. Yep. John 1, 1. Yeah. So he has total authority through the power of his declared word. So I do too. I can declare I'm going to live in a state of for perpetual forgiveness. I declare that's how I'm going to function. I'm going to be quick to forgive when someone offends me or I offend somebody else. I can speak that into existence and create a world of perpetual forgiveness that I can live in because I choose to function that way mm -hmm. through my through my declared word. Now we say, well, yeah, but man sinned between the creation that, that Christ spoke into existence and his redeeming grace that he offers us to us when he came to this earth. And then he shows us by his example how we're to live as he is, so are we to be in the earth, First John says. So uh, he forgave people even from the cross, as we have mentioned earlier, and everything they had done to him, he chose to forgive them, which I think is the most powerful thing he ever did. We think of raising Lazarus from the dead and the miracles. No, no, no. When he said, Father, forgive them, that's the most powerful position we can function in, the power of releasing forgiveness to those who offend us. You can be no more powerful than that because... You're actually expressing the grace and love of God, and there's no greater way to express God than his love, and that's 1 Corinthians 13. You mm -hmm. know? But when he ascends back to heaven, he can't leave us depleted still. If we're to carry out the, 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 the will of God, he has to help us, so he gives us his spirit, the very spirit that created everything, the very spirit that could look into the face of those who offended him and release forgiveness, 
the very spirit that can that can you know cast out demons, heal the sick, everything he did, we have that spirit in us and the capacity now to go and do what he did, to live as he lived in this earth. We're not God, but we're sons of God, and we have the spirit of God in us. So making that switch in our mind to understand the capacity of authority we have now, not just through our self-will, but by the grace and power of his will that works in us. Mm-hmm. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Paul says. So therefore, I can not only rejoice in the forgiving grace that I experienced from God over my offense against him, but I can joyfully go out now and forgive the lesser debt of my uh, of others who have, who have sinned against me because I have this abundant grace working in me. So I think the, the context of that scripture there is the authority that we all have. And we, we determine how we're going to handle situations and circumstances. A lot of people get angry at God. It's not God. He's given us everything right. we now need in Christ. And we can't be angry at that other person because they're hurting me. I'm inflicting it upon myself the longer I hold it. Right. So yeah. if I choose to release it, then I get freed. And because I can live free, I can set other people who are bound by unforgiveness free too by releasing forgiveness to them. Right. I, in that story too, um, I've always looked at it from the representative of the master. Uh, so you've got this master who I believe Jesus is referencing God. Um, the uh, servant who owed a great debt um I think in in that specific analogy, he's talking to um, he's talking to those of us that are here today right. that have had this huge debt that we could not repay, um, being sin. Um, and so this servant who is forgiven of his debt, wiped off the books, is now representing that master to someone else. And the master obviously is expecting the servant to do to those that owed him what had been done to him, what, you know, that the master had done to him, which leads to this idea that God expects those that are forgiven to forgive other people. In fact, Jesus goes, takes it really, really, really far. Um, he's talking to his disciples and he says, when you pray first, pray and release forgiveness to anyone you hold a grudge against, then your father will forgive you. It's again, this idea of if you understand what God has done for you, how can you withhold that from someone else? And I've often said that I've, I meet people all the time that are on the outside of what we call the church, the body of Christ and people have their reasons. And, but the one that I run into the most is that most people that I talk to don't have a problem with God or Jesus. They have a problem with the representatives of God and Jesus and what they've done, which is what this story is all about. Sure. If you're going to be a Christ follower, then there is an expectation that you walk in the same way, the same attitude, the same heart that Christ did. And yes, that can seem so high and impossible, but like you said, that's why 
Jesus sent the Holy Spirit right. to us so that the, the Spirit of God dwells in us to help us do what we can't naturally do ourselves. Right. Yeah, Jesus said there in, in the book of Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Uh, you know, now that power can be expressed in a lot of different ways, certainly through gifts and various things. But predominantly, he gives us his heart, his spirit to function as his ambassador, as his representative in the earth. We are, uh, and this is a challenging point for every Christian, but Paul says, I no longer live unto myself. Yeah. I died with Christ on the cross. I now live as a slave to God, a bond slave, he called himself. That's not a negative connotation like we're being beaten by a master like we think of slavery in the context of historical slavery in the sense like that. But it's saying I'm now married to Christ. I'm one with Christ. I'm doing the will of God, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Um, that's that's the way Jesus lived. Whatever he shows, the Father shows me and tells me, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, that's the attitude of someone who's totally committed to a master to live out the will of that master. And so a lot of times we still struggle in Christianity because we're still living out of our self-will versus the will of God. We haven't surrendered ourselves fully to God like we should. Or we may pick and choose. You know, I can, I can fully surrender to that, but I, I feel justified in retaliating against somebody who hurt me so grievously. So I'm not going to do the will of God. I'm going to live out of my will. So then you're dual-souled. You're, you're, Paul, James says you're tossed about like the waves of the sea. Um, so anyway, it, it, it just comes down, I think, to truly understanding what this transformation into Christianity is all about and that we give ourselves up for Christ as he gave himself up for us. In fact, Ephesians uh, 4.32, 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, technically, that's not an option. That's a command. Be right. kind. And again, yeah. do, most of us think of the Bible, we can take it or leave it. It's a book of commandments, basically. Yeah. And those commandments aren't grievous. They're liberating. If we mm -hmm. do what he says, we get the benefit and blessing of the outcome, right? Uh, and then uh, Colossians 3.13 goes on to say, and yeah. the Apostle Paul's writing this. Now, the Apostle Paul was gloriously redeemed on the Damascus Road. He was a killer. He, he, was, he, he talked about a man who was vengeful and inflicting harm and pain and death. That's what he was doing as a Pharisee. But Jesus comes to him, reveals himself to Paul, Saul at that time, and Saul acknowledged him as master, experienced a transformation of his grace, received the very spirit that Christ had when he was prayed for, uh, and then goes out and, and becomes a lover of people rather than a hater of people. Uh, and so he experienced this awesome forgiving grace himself. So that's why he can impart a challenge to others and he says in, in in colossians bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another mm -hmm. forgive as the lord forgave you see again it's all tied back to the fact that in christ god gives us the great his forgiving grace and we now have the grace to forgive because he's given it to us he's loved us first so we can love him in return he forgave me first so i have the capacity in his grace work that's in me his spirit to release forgiveness to others and if i struggle with them in a personal sense i have to come back to a spiritual understanding that i am representing christ now 
as a son of God in the earth. And what would Jesus do? He would forgive. So what am I to do? As a Christian, as one who bears his name, I'm to forgive as well. And where I struggle, I go into my heart, and he gives me the grace to release that forgiveness in spite of even the most grievous offenses that could be done. We, t- we told the story in one of our earlier sessions of the woman who was abused by her father as a child and the glorious work that she was able to do in forgiving her father by the grace of God that God gave to her because she had received Christ as her Savior. And so we can all function to that degree if we choose to. See, again, it comes back down to I have authority to do whatever I choose to do. If I don't want to forgive, I won't forgive. But then I live imprisoned with that pain and with that torment uh, of, of that offense that's always there, whether it was uh, committed to me or whether I committed it uh, towards someone else. Or I can make the choice. By the grace of God, I choose to forgive because God forgave me and then do whatever it takes in the context of reconciling with that person uh, and at least offering forgiveness to that person uh, by the grace of God that he gives us. Yeah, I like that Colossians 3 scripture that you quoted in another translation. It says, make allowances for each other. Right. Um, no, in other words, no, you're going to get offended. You're going to get hurt. People are going to um, need your forgiveness. So prepare ahead of time. That's right. what making an allowance is. Right. Prepare ahead of time. So that when demanded of or needed, you right. have this storehouse of forgiveness to draw from. That is what God did. That's why the Bible says before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain. Right. God, God knew somehow in his ability to know everything, sure. what was going to happen. And he made a contingency plan and he was ready. And that's what he expects those of us that are Christ followers to do. And we can go even farther with Philippians 4.13. Um, for those of us at the times where um, maybe some of you are sitting here right now listening to this and you're going, come on, guys, you do not understand what was done to me. Right. Um, the hurt that was inflicted, the uh, abuse that I went through, and you're telling me that God wants me to forgive this person? And I'm saying yes, because it's not about that person. Right. It's about you. Right. He wants you to live in freedom from the entrapment of that continual emotional tie to such a horrific thing that was done to you. Right. And maybe you're saying, like I have said many times, Lord, it is impossible. I cannot. How do I deal with this person? How do I forgive this person? And invariably, I have to come back to this Philippians 4.13 scripture and there have been times in my life, Dad, I have not liked this scripture. Yeah. I, it's made me sure. angry because I don't want it to be true. Mm-hmm. I don't want to admit that Philippians 4.13 mm-hmm. simply says, <laughs> I can do everything through Christ. Right. right there, Those just that phrase says, when I can't do it myself, there is another strength I can draw from. There right. is There is another place that I can pull from to give me the strength to do what I don't feel like I can do in myself. Right. And I don't know that the severity of pain that is inflicted upon us or the wrongs that that we have, it might seem right in our mind Mm -hmm. to be resentful 
and mm -hmm. angry mm -hmm. and to withhold. All of those things are cancerous though. Sure. To, to our spirit. Sure they are. Um, but if we, if we begin to think with the mind of the King and with the mind of Christ, man, if this was done to Christ, it doesn't if, here, look, I'm stumbling, but I'm trying to find a way to say what is in my head without it coming harsh, but there's no, I don't know. I, here we go. Try this one out. There is nothing that can be done to us that trumps what was done to him. That's exactly and right. And yet he has forgiven every one of us, me, right. you, anyone right. who is listening. There is nothing that has been done to us that is worse than what we've right. done to him. And he forgives us and we're so glad he does. Right. Then how can we give ourselves quarter to say, you know what? No, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not letting this one go. Right, right. Well, and again, it comes down to understanding what really a commitment to Christ is all about. That again, we give ourselves up for him. We give our will up for his will. We give up our life to live his life or let him live his life through us. So everything shifts at the cross. There's death and then there's resurrection, but resurrection can only come out of death. Life can only come out of death. I can't change anything in my life till I'm willing to die to the way it is and embrace something new that can come. Yeah. And we have that power to do it. We have the capacity to do it. I was just thinking as she was talking, we're, we're so big on daily planners. We're so big on setting goals for our life and predetermining what we're going yeah. to target for. Why not put on your planner every day when you wake up, I'm going to live in forgiveness today. Yeah. I'm going to walk with Christ and express Christ today. Put that on your planner and pre-program yourself before you go out and face the, the, the onslaught of, of everything's going to come against you this this uh, this mindset it, it, we could call it the armor of god we call it the shield of faith we, we call it the sword of the spirit all these things that the bible talks about that we have now in our hand to do something with and not to live uh, passively but to live proactively to say hey my to-do list today, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice no matter what comes my way. I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, so you, 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 you begin to live out of the mind of Christ that we now have within us. I mean, it's pretty bold when Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was probably suffered second to Jesus, I think, in many ways. And, and yet he was able to draw upon this powerful grace to, to write these letters to correct and encourage others who were struggling. But, uh, you know, uh, he, he had this capacity and this knowledge and this understanding that uh, he, he says, I don't live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He didn't, you talked about quarter, he didn't give himself a quarter in any yeah. way. He said, I die daily. He predetermined. He was going to live out of his own will to do his works. He was going to live to do the will of, of the Father. And then God used him in a glorious way as he, as he works through all of us to bring peace, joy, and love to those around about us. So, um, uh, but again, it's understanding this commitment. I think sometimes, and I can talk to myself and you as pastors and leaders and preachers, uh, we do a disservice to Christ, uh, to the people, in not taking them to the depth of understanding the commitment they're really making. We're so quick to get a notch right. on our belt. Just say this little Romans Road prayer. They didn't have a Romans Road prayer right. 
back in the early church, when they gave themselves to Christ, they were coming out of Judaism. Yeah. They basically were signing a death warrant because they were going to be cut off from their family, mm-hmm. probably lose their job, and and the hatred that was building against Christianity and eventually the persecution that came against Christians, and yet people flocked to Christ and flocked to make that commitment, even in the point of death, because they had this revelation of this awesome forgiving grace that they had now received from God. And I want that. I want freedom from this self-inflicting guilt and shame of what I've done or what I've carried in my heart against other people. I want to be free. And so that freedom was worth it. The price was worth them dying to themselves, even if they had to physically die mm-hmm. and give themselves up for Christ, you know. So, I mean, it, I don't know, again, that we – I remember Charles Finney reading the, the biography of Charles Finney, great evangelist in the 1800s, and uh, he had inquiry rooms. And he would preach like five or six sermons before he ever gave an invitation to accept Christ. He wanted them to hear what Jesus had done for them enough to know that they would love him enough to be willing to make a a true commitment to him. But he didn't bring them up and just have them quote a prayer. They'd go to the inquiry room where there would be another person there who would talk them more deeply into, do you understand understand this commitment you're making? So when they made that commitment, it was a true once and for all dying to self, embracing the life of Christ commitment. And so I think we've done a disservice sometimes just to get another notch on our belt. You know, just, well, we, we had 20 saved today. Well, what does that really yeah, mean? Really. And I'm not discounting the grace of God to redeem anybody. But I'm saying if it's so superficial, because by their works, you'll know them. Mm-hmm. If we can't live a life of forgiveness after we receive forgiveness from Christ, then we don't really have Christ right. in us. First John talks about that. If you don't love, you say you love, but you can't love. You don't. You never experienced his love. Right. So you're in self-deception, right? And so when you get right down to the bedrock issue, it's a reality that we have to come to grips with. Am I truly Christ? If I am, I have the capacity to do what he did because he's given me his spirit and his heart. And I can forgive because he forgave me. And I don't do it out of my flesh. I do it out of my heart and by the power of his spirit that's in me. Yep. So when you talk about people flocking to um, Jesus in that, as you were talking a minute ago, um, I wanted to go down this road anyway. So we'll, we'll jump here now. What I want us to think about what, from what wellspring does forgiveness come? And I think there's only one, and there's only one reason why so many people flock to him um, in a time where they were very aware of how sinful that they were because of their society in the Jewish structure. Um, And the Pharisees challenged him all the time about how can you forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One time he's talking to the Pharisees and there's a lame man there and he turns to the religious leaders and says, which is harder to, to say, to forgive someone their sins or to say, pick up your mat and walk. Because from the Jews' context, the religious leaders' context, many times if you were lame or you were sick, it was a punishment for someone's sure. sin. Yeah. Okay. And so Jesus was like, okay, well, take up your mat and walk. So if I can deal, in other words, if I can deal with the effects of sin, then I have the power to deal with the sin itself. Right. And so where does that all come from? Why mm-hmm. did people flock to him? And, and, 
where do we get this ability? Well, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, a lot of people stop right there yeah. and pull that thing out of context right. and don't finish it. Right. So I want to finish it. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself and having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. In other words, it all flows from the love of God. Right. God loves you enough to call you out of a bad place, to put you in a good place. And when you are filled with his love, it's going to come out of you in those times where it is especially needed, mm-hmm. like when we when we are offended. Right. That is that is so true. And again, it's it's understanding this divine exchange that takes place at Calvary. You know, uh uh, he became who I was so I could become who he is. He became a sinner. He became me in sin on that cross that I could become a resurrected eternal son of God as he is. Uh, and so there's something that happens supernaturally from God's perspective. God chooses to do it this way. We may not understand it, but it doesn't matter whether we understand it or not. God chose to do it this way. And if we trust and believe what he says, then we can transition into that reality, not living out of our natural reasoning. The Bible says the human mind is an enemy against the spiritual works of God. We can't right. understand how, how can somebody, like you said earlier, how, how can I forgive somebody who's done so, such a grievous thing against me? Well, we can't understand that, but God demonstrated it. Right. And in the spirit, again, he deposits something in us that we're absent of in our humanness that enables us if we access it to rise up in the face of it i think we mentioned um, uh, i don't know if you mentioned cory ten boom in this uh, no let's talk about that um go ahead but but the capacity that she had to forgive uh, the one who was over that prison that that basically took the life of her sister and she herself was humiliated in and yet when she met him had the grace of god she made a statement uh, if you don't know about Corey Ten Boom, there's a movie called The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. There's a book called The Hiding Place. It was made years ago by Billy Graham Association, but it tells the story of uh, the saving of Jews during Hitler's invasion into uh, Europe and Holland. Um, but uh, she makes a statement. She says that there is no pit so deep right. that his grace is not deeper still. And she drew upon that grace to forgive the uh, the one who uh, was over this prison that she and her sister were placed in and that took the life of her sister and was determined to take her life too except that God divinely intervened and saved her yeah. to be a great a great witness for him out of that uh, holocaust uh, 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 season uh, so anyway history is replete with the ability for God to take someone who is so full of anger, hatred, malice, resentment, whatever, and transform them into uh, a different person. It's called being born again scripturally uh, of the Spirit of God, where before they couldn't forgive, now they can forgive. 
and they're willing to forgive and they're joyful to forgive even the most difficult things because again uh, it demonstrates the depth of God's love and grace that he showed for us on the cross so if we are facing this uh, needing to forgive yet just not feeling like we can do it in ourselves here's where here's I think um, biblically how we start first remember what God has done for us that's where all right. of it begins right um, I think one of the one of the um, things that a lot of us could spend time thinking about I spend time thinking about it but um, we love to talk about what what we say that Christ has saved us from our sins but do we really think about what those sins are what what is it that we have done that he has forgiven right um, start there and become very let let the appreciation of what God has done for you really sink in second recognize that if you have accepted Christ you haven't just accepted an eternal destiny right you have accepted a life that you are now going to live out and that is living out the life of Christ in the earth you now become that emissary from the the ruler right. um, and it is that that's a pretty powerful thing to consider um, third realize that the spirit of God is in us to help us to do the things that we can't do in our in ourselves in our natural ability right I love this line in second John um, scripture second John 1 3 says grace mercy and peace which come from God the Father so grace mercy and peace don't reside with us anyway right um, mercy is is tied to forgiveness grace is tied to forgiveness and guess what peace is too all three of those are byproducts of being forgiven and forgiving right. so grace mercy and peace which come from god the father and from jesus christ the son of the father will continue to be with us who live in truth and love so if you are living in that reality of how much god loves you you can find the strength. God will help you to extend that love to those that have offended you. Right. But not just so they will be forgiven, but so that you are free from the, the damage and the hurt emotions that, that, are, that you're carrying around. God right. doesn't want you to live in bondage. And that's right. just not sin. That's bondage of hurt. Right. Sure. He wants you to walk in freedom. Yeah. And we've all been there. We've all faced things that were hard. And and even that word hard, come on, there's levels. Everybody's hard is harder than someone else's. Right. You know? Right. Um I just recently I bumped into someone who um was a part of an offense uh, that was, man, over twenty years ago. And as soon as this person saw me, began to get emotional mm. and came over and, um, I mean, we were at a church gathering, so mm -hmm. I gave, gave this person a hug and the first thing out of there, and I told him, I was like, it's great to see you. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that this person said was, I need to get together with you and explain what happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, just boom, 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. I could see all over this person, they were still wrapped up yeah. in that thing that had happened mm. and i just looked at this person and i said well first of all i release you there is nothing i hold nothing towards you mm -hmm. so i release you of the right. weight you've been carrying for 20 years right um and i said so 
I'll be happy to get together with you, but mm-hmm. only if we get together for dinner with my wife and, and your spouse, and we just mm-hmm. all have a good time because yeah. there's nothing there. Right. And to, to see the countenance on this person change mm-hmm. when they realize I don't really have to carry this. Yeah. You know, I don't have to explain right. this. And I, I just want everyone to experience that level of freedom mm-hmm. of, of being able to honestly let go, right. get to that blessing. I, that's what I did was I blessed her by saying, I release you, you know, right. Forget it. You know, let's go on, you know? Right. Um, I wonder sometimes if God looks at us when we come to him complaining Lord, you know what happened. And I, I know I'm supposed to forgive this person, but I just can't. I just wonder sometimes if God just looks at us and says, it's because you don't know what I've forgiven you of. Yeah, true, true. Well, I think there's uh, some truth in that, that, uh, you know, coming to Christ is one thing, but following Christ, getting to know Christ, becoming like Christ is a lifestyle. It's a, it's a life walk. It's a lifestyle mm-hmm. adjustment. And it's continuous. And we're all to be growing up into Christ, the spiritual man Christ that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. So there's never a place where I can say, I've got it all figured out. I've come to the end. I, I, it's all done in that sense that uh, I've, I've accomplished everything I need to accomplish. Every day, that's like I say, I have to reprogram myself and set, set the standard that I'm determined I'm going to live by. And the prayers I pray help to reprogram me every day to go out and face the world clothed with uh, th- this mindset and determination. I'm going I'm to live out what Christ has done for me. Um, so we all have that capacity or he wouldn't have called us to, to live as he, as he's called us to live, commanded us to do what he's commanded us to do. Yeah. If he didn't give us the ability and the substance, we need to do it. And so um, it's just a matter of making that determination and getting to the point that, we hate the pain. I want to get rid of the pain and uh, of all that's been inflicted upon us or that we've even inflicted upon ourselves. And uh, the joy of freedom is so much more attractive than the, than continuing to hold on to the pain. And when you get there, you're, you're really to honestly ready to say, God help me. And yeah. he will, when we ask him, he will help us and then enable us and empower us to do what we need to do in, in entering into it a state of forgiveness and freedom. So there are people that are listening today that are obviously struggling with this, with forgiving others, maybe even forgiving themselves. Um, Wherever you are, I would like for you to stop what you're doing just for a moment and know that it is as simple as a decision and prayer and expect and asking God to help you is all you need to do. And so, Dad, I want you to take a minute and just pray for those that are struggling with forgiveness right now. Well, Father, I, I do thank you that you understand our struggles because you struggled to a degree in, uh, in making this choice, even before the foundation of the world, to forgive us of our sins and, and uh, predetermining that Jesus would come to do that. And when the time came, he did come. And he demonstrated your love and forgiving grace while he walked this earth and then particularly from the cross where it all uh, it all came together, and he was able to look at those who spat upon him, beat him, nailed him to the cross, accused him falsely. He said, Father, forgive them. And so I pray, Father, you'll help those that hear uh, this uh, conversation today to look to you 
when others offend them, that they'll look up to you. They'll call out to you to help them. And you, by your grace, will. And you will give them the capacity to do what needs to be done to uh, release that person or themselves from uh, this state of uh, unforgiveness and enter into the freedom that you offer them. So I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're everywhere present right now and you're you're in our words and you're in our conversation and you're wherever this individual or individuals are and you're right there when they call you will answer and you will show them great and mighty things your your word declares and you'll help them and empower them to do what is necessary to walk free to receive your grace and forgiveness and then to freely release it to others too so we thank you for that in jesus name amen amen please understand one more one more time that forgiveness flows from a place of love and as we wrap up this session i want to read to you from first john chapter four dear friends let us continue to love one another for love comes from god anyone who loves is a child of god and knows god but anyone who does not love doesn't know god because god is love and god showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So dear friends, since God loved us this much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who love live in God and God lives in them. My friend, that is the secret to being able to forgive is knowing that God's love is in you and he's done all of this so that his love can flow out of you to other people. Thanks for being with us for this series called Freedom to Forgiveness. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next time for another edition of the Renewed You Podcast.